How's it going everyone? It's October during the making of this episode, and you know what that means? It's time for Halloween. Damn, where'd the time go? For this episode, I originally wanted to talk about what movies or specials I like watching during this time of year, but then I decided to hold off until another potential group discussion, because I'm very curious to hear what the other members of Geeks Crossing like to watch during this time. Then I thought to myself, why not talk about films that aren't necessarily Halloween related, yet provide a creepy and suspenseful atmosphere? As the title suggested, I'm talking about films directed by the one and only Alfred Hitchcock. If you're a film enthusiast like myself, then you know who I'm talking about. For those who don't know, Alfred Hitchcock is an English director slash filmmaker who is best known for being the master of suspense. He directed over 50 films during his time as a filmmaker, from silent films to black and white and eventually Technicolor. I've seen Hitchcock's works be satirized in many TV shows and movies, but I was never fully infested with his work until I took a film class in college where everything was focused on Hitchcock, from the themes he chose to the cinematography, and how he impacted the film industry as a whole. It's because of this class that I've grown to appreciate Hitchcock more than before, and I find myself watching his films every now and then. Out of all his films, which 10 are my favorites? It wasn't easy, I can tell you that, but I managed to compile a solid list. Remember that everything I say is just my opinion. If you don't agree with me on where I place these certain films, that's fine and be prepared for any spoilers. Though if you've seen the parodies, you already got a sense of what each film is about. I'm Eric from Geeks Crossing, and this is the Top 10 Alfred Hitchcock Films. Number 10, Rope. Start off my list is Rope, released in 1948. Former Harvard graduate David Kenley is killed by two of his classmates, Brandon Shaw and Philip Morgan, because they want to prove that they're smart enough to get away with the perfect murder. However, his absence began to arouse the suspicion of the people he's close to, along with his former prep school master, Rupert Cadell. What's very interesting is that this entire film takes place in David's apartment, and everything is shot in long takes to make use of the conversations. The most memorable part to me was Philip. He was so anxious throughout the film because he was worried about getting caught, and there were many moments throughout the film where the dead body was close to getting found. Even though there were mostly psych moments, I couldn't help but wait for that one moment where Philip loses it though his anxiety did drag on a bit for me. I also love how Connie Rupert was, as he was the only one to see through Brandon and Phillip's plan. This is one of those Hitchcock films that end with the inevitable destined to happen. In other words, we know that the two of them are going to get arrested for murder, yet we don't see it. Which is what I like about Hitchcock, as he likes to leave the outcome for our imaginations. The reason why I didn't put it so high is because the anxiety of Philip did drag on for me, and the trailer did spoil the film too much. Glad I saw the film before watching the trailer. Despite that, it's a good movie. Number 9, To Catch a Thief, released in 1955. The film was about a former jewel thief named John Robbie who goes to French Rivera for a vacation, only for many robberies to take place during that time. Considering his reputation, John must try to clear his name and find the real thief. As you can tell, it's one of those stories where an innocent person gets accused of a certain crime. Granted, he wasn't innocent before, but he does make an effort to break out of his burglar ways. Although his reputation did capture the attention of his love interest, Francine Stevens, the daughter of a rich widow. She is what got me infested because of how naive and obsessive she was, until she realized the potential dangers of dating a jewel thief. My favorite part from the movie was definitely the car scene because of how insanely fast Francis was driving. I couldn't help but chuckle seeing John hold for dear life with Francis behind the wheel. I also love how this black cat frequently appeared throughout the movie, as a little reference to the cat burglar trope. Although, it was pretty obvious on who the new jewel thief was, but I'm not going to let that hold me against the film's greatest strength, which is the relationship between John and Francis. This film also has my favorite Hitchcock cameo. In the beginning, when John boards a coach bus and after he sits down, the camera pans to the right and reveals Alfred Hitchcock sitting right next to him. Number 8. 
Dial M for Murder, released in 1954, a professional tennis player named Tony Wheatus, I think that's how you say it, finds out that his wealthy wife Margo is having an affair. He then pays a colleague of his to kill Margo at revenge and to inherit her fortune. Naturally, things don't go as planned as it soon dissolves into a murder mystery. The story is very simple, yet it has that Hitchcock charm to it. Constantly going back and forth from Tony and Margot's cases make you wonder who the real criminal is. That strangle scene still gives me chills as it provides great suspense. Just like with Rope, the movie ends very nonchalantly with the inevitable coming. Again, the police are coming to arrest the culprit, yet we can only imagine it instead of seeing it. Sorry if I didn't provide much detail with this film, but it's one of those films that you really have to see for yourself in order to understand where Hitchcock is coming from. Number 7. The Man Who Knew Too Much Released in 1956, the film was about the McKenna family, which consists of Ben, Joe, and their son Hank, going on a trip to Morocco and meet a nice couple. Unfortunately, when Ben discovers that the couple is involved with a terrorist plan, they kidnap Hank as a means of keeping them silent. Now Ben and Joe must do whatever they can to get their son back at all costs. Not only does this film keep me invested with its premise, but the emotions that goes along with it. As you watch this film, you really feel for this family and you want to see them succeed because if you are a parent, or maybe some of you listening are parents, you would go to the extreme to rescue your child until he or she is safe and sound. Speaking of extreme, there were a lot of great suspenseful moments. My favorite scenes include the concert at Royal Albert Hall with the assassin, and the climax where Joe sings in order to attract Hank. It really shows how powerful a mother's affection to her child is. Also, I think this is one of the only few times we see an antagonist from Hitchcock's films go through a change of heart, albeit briefly, though I could be wrong. Anyway, it's a great film that keeps you in tune with its intensity and family scenario. Number 6. Strangers on a Train Now, this is a film that I actually found myself liking a lot. Usually, Hitchcock's films are full of suspense, as I keep mentioning. This one, however, has a lot of humorous moments that almost feels like a comedy. Released in 1951, the film was about a famous tennis player named Guy Haynes who meets a stranger named Bruno Anthony who has the crazy idea of swapping murders. When Guy realizes that this plan is serious, he must stop Bruno and protect his loved ones at all costs. With a concept like this, how can anyone find this funny? Well, that's all thanks to the one-liners and Bruno himself. Everything that came out of Bruno's mouth sounded so insane, it was hilarious. He was the perfect example of someone who believes that just by having good looks and wealth, any idea could work. And Bruno solidifies that throughout the movie. Of course, since this is Hitchcock, suspense is also key. From Guy trying to warn Bruno's father about his son's harebrained scheme, which failed, or Bruno trying to retrieve Guy's lighter from the sewer so he could frame him for his murder. It's unbelievable that his arms were able to reach that deep. But hey, movie logic. Also, arguably the scene's best scene was where Guy and Bruno had their final confrontation on the merry-go-round that malfunctions. It was so fast-paced and in-your-face that it can make you wonder how anyone can come out of this alive. If you haven't seen this movie, it's definitely worth checking out. Not only is it a solid work by Hitchcock, but it can make you laugh every now and then. Number 5. The Birds we're now in the top 5, and I think this is where we're going into the quote-unquote best Hitchcock films. Starting with The Birds, released in 1963, a woman named Melanie Daniels arrives in a small town near Bodegay Bay to meet her love interest, Mitch Brenner. Upon arrival, however, she, along with the many of the town civilians, suffer from an endless streak of bird attacks, mostly seagulls and crows. Seriously, The Birds attacking is such an enigma that it makes the film more interesting to watch. According to one of the civilians, Birds are supposed to be quote-unquote gentle creatures, yet you see them pecking people's eyes out. It's astonishing to see how much collateral damage these birds cause, especially towards the end where Melanie and Mitch try to barricade themselves 
only for it to fail and their house nearly getting destroyed. I know everything was done by puppetry and special effects, but I gotta give Hitchcock credit for making it look very realistic, given the time period that this film was made. Probably the most iconic scene was the climax, where thousands of crows kept piercing over our survivors. This scene was satirized in other forms of media, such as The Simpsons Trials of Horror 11 during the Dolphin story. Hell, even Ed and Nettie referenced this scene in the Season 3 episode, It Came From Outer Ed, at the very end where a flock of crows were about to attack the Eds. I think that scene alone is what helped me learn about this film's existence. Either way, it's such an intriguing film, and I'm proud to put it in the top 5. Number 4, North by Northwest. Up next is another beloved film in Hitchcock's legacy. Released in 1959, North by Northwest tells the story about a man named Roger Thornhill who's mistaken for a spy that's wanted by the government. When he accidentally gets involved in illegal activity, Roger must play the role as he gets closer to the truth. This is another one of those Hitchcock films where an innocent man is framed and is constantly on the run. Yet, the many twists and turns that this film provides makes the theme be utilized in such a unique way. One of the most famous scenes is where Roger is chased by a man in a crop duster plane, and the very suspenseful climax which took place on top of Mount Rushmore, which involves him trying to save his love interest, Eve Kendall, whom he frequently met throughout the film. Funny enough, my first exposure to this film was actually from the Family Guy episode, North by North Quahog. Nearly everything from this film was satirized in that episode, from Peter portraying Mel Gibson, getting chased by a plane, and trying to save Lois from Gibson's house that's on top of Mount Rushmore. This was such an action-packed and suspenseful film that will leave you on the edge of your seats. It's amazing how one misunderstanding can lead to something chaotic. Also, before I forget, that auction scene was pretty damn funny as well. Number 3, Vertigo. Some of you are probably surprised that this isn't number 1, as it's often regarded as Hitchcock's best film. His magnum opus, if you will. Released in 1958, the film is about a former detective named John Ferguson, or Scotty as he's called, who has suffered a severe case of acrophobia and vertigo, Nice symbolism to the title. Scotty was requested by an old friend to spy on his wife, Madeline, who's been acting very strange according to him. Eventually, Scotty develops a strong attachment towards Madeline that changed his life. Part of what makes this film so enjoyable is the visuals. Though the visuals in the last films I mentioned were impressive enough, this film takes it to a whole new level, especially during both scenes where Scotty climbs to the top of the church and loses Madeline. It was like we were in the inside of Scotty's mind, when he had that feeling about his height fear or witnessing death. Scotty's affection towards Madeline was another key factor of the film, as it shows how obsessive one can be. This was a true work of art by Hitchcock, and it deserves all the praise it gets. However, there are two other films that I feel more attached to. Number 2, Rear Window. The runner-up for my favorite Hitchcock film is Rear Window. Released in 1954, photographer L.B. Jeffries, or Jeff as he's called, has a broken leg and is forced to stay home, until he starts suspecting that one of his neighbors has committed murder. This was one of the first films by Hitchcock I've ever seen, and I instantly fell in love. Not just by the premise, but the cinematography as well. Much like Rope, the entirety of this film takes place in Jack's apartment, but about most of the film is viewed by a point-of-view shot, or to be more precise, Jeff's perspective through his binoculars. It's one of those movies that keeps you infested, and it makes you wonder if the protagonist is right about his or her assumptions, or things aren't always as they seem. But let's just say Jeff couldn't be more right about Thorwald, which is the name of the neighbor he's spying. One of the most nerve-wracking moments was when Lisa, Jeff's girlfriend, sneaks into Thorwald's apartment only for her to get caught. Then came the famous scene with Thorwald staring back at the camera, which led to a very intense climax between the Watcher and the Watched. I remembered in the Simpsons episode, Bart of Darkness, Bart breaks his leg, then suspects Ned Flanders of murdering his wife. As you can expect, this episode was a parody of that film. However, I didn't know about Rear Window growing up, 
So watching this film now and re-watching this episode, I understand all the references. And surprise, surprise, one of the modern episodes of Family Guy called Crimes and Meg's Demeanor satirizes this movie where Brian breaks his leg, then suspects Principal Shepard of murdering someone. If you're a fan of Family Guy, then you know that this was the third and last episode of that mini-arc where Brian moves out after one of his racist tweets goes viral. This was a suspenseful movie through and through, and I recommend watching it when you get the chance. Number 1. Psycho My favorite Hitchcock film of all time is hands down Psycho. This shouldn't come to a surprise to anyone, as Psycho is considered one of Hitchcock's most iconic films, and in some cases, a real masterpiece. Released in 1960, this gem is about a runaway real estate secretary named Marion Crane who checks into a strange motel who is owned by an equally strange man named Norman Bates. Marion is murdered in this hotel which prompts her sister, Leela, to go through an investigation. There's so much great things to talk about, I don't know where to start, but I guess I can start with the fact that Marion, aka the protagonist, gets murdered halfway through the film. I don't think I've seen any other movie did something like that. Really goes to show how extreme and unique Hitchcock is with his movies. The shower murder scene. Oh my god, you can't get more iconic than the shower scene from Psycho. I've seen a lot of shows and movies parody this scene. From Looney Tunes back in action where Spugs was scared shitless from Kate. From the Ending to the Dexter's Laboratory episode, Slightly Psycho. Hell, even Kirby's Right Back At You satirized this scene from the episode Scare Tactics. Yes, the anime adaptation of Kirby referenced this scene. That alone solidifies how monumental that scene is. Everything about the shower scene was filmed perfectly, from the camera angles to the music and the visuals. Fun fact, did you guys know that instead of fake blood, Hitchcock used chocolate syrup? Simply because it had the right thickness to blend in with the water going down the drain. But because this film was in black and white, it's not easy to notice that syrup. The antagonist Norman Bates was the most interesting character not just because of having a stutter, which I can relate to wholeheartedly, but because he's a victim of dissociative identity disorder, or multiple personality disorder as it's sometimes called. This film was one of my first enlightenments towards MPD and leave it to Hitchcock to make it portray as realistic as possible. MPD can be very scary because having multiple personalities can make it difficult to figure out who you're talking to. In this case, Norman and his mother. This is a film I can watch over and over again and still get thrilled because of how everything was presented. Literally every time I think of Alfred Hitchcock, Psycho instantly comes to my mind. Yes, the other films I mentioned are iconic in their own ways, maybe even better depending on how you critique them, but there's no denying the legacy Psycho has created, and I couldn't think of a better film to place as number one. Also, the less said about the Shot for Shot remake that was released in 1998, the better. Seriously, don't watch it. It's funny how most of my first exposure to Hitchcock's films were from parodies and other forms of media. That alone goes to show how much of an icon Alfred Hitchcock is. If you haven't seen any of these films or any of Hitchcock's movies, I recommend watching them when you get the chance especially if you love movies or are a fan of the thriller genre in general. Thank you for listening to this episode of Geeks Crossing. If you have a favorite film by Hitchcock, you can let us know in the Discord server. Subscribe if you haven't already for more content, and have a great day!